just want to thank the elders and Jimmy, just first of all, for their friendship, um, but their support of See Jesus and their friendship to me and allowing me to teach and preach, and I'm just thankful. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, hey, this morning, in your, it's printed in your bulletin. This is a gospel harmony, uh, and a gospel harmony is basically taking uh, all the gospels in this particular story kind of mashing them together to get a full view of what's going on. Some gospel writers pick on upon different things. So this is a gospel harmony. So as we read through this, it's in your bulletin, thankfully, so you, otherwise you'd be jumping from Matthew to John to Mark to Luke and back and forth. So, um, and this morning we're going to do this interactively. I said, Jimmy, can I do this like see Jesus style and do it interactively? And he was like, go for it. So um, be ready to jump in. I'm going to ask a lot of questions, and uh, we'll uh, discover Jesus together. So let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. So the context of this, Jesus has just fed 5,000. Um, just finished that. He's up on the mountain with the crowd, releases them. And that's where we are, just in context. So, God's Word, starting in Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. But now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three to or four miles, he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered, Lord, if, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got in, out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored to shore. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray now. Um, we know that you love to make much of the Son who loves to make much of the Father. Uh, so we pray today that we would see uh, both the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of his Father. In your name we pray. Amen. So um, so as we think about this text together, there's uh, we're going to when we're looking at Jesus, I say this a lot, but when we're looking at Jesus, we see not only what it means to be fully human, but we also see who God is. 
So he's the exact imprint of his nature. So we're seeing this dual, really beautiful thing. And this morning, we're going to kind of step into the economy of God. Uh, if some of you remember, probably a year ago, it was probably a year ago, this, about this time, uh, we were preaching through the Psalms, ending our summer series, and uh, Jimmy asked me to preach, I, can't, I think it was Psalm 73, and I talked about uh, space, God providing space. And so that idea started generating in my head, and I'd looked at this text a while back, and, uh, and stuff just started jumping out at me again. So this concept of God giving space is kind of what I'm going to hit on again, because I think it's a really important thing as we live as followers of Jesus and determine what God's up to sometimes. So uh, just to set the stage for you guys, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna steal to the, steal the screen from, um, from Rachel back there uh, for a moment. And I just want to show this picture to you just to set the stage to give a, a physical location of, of where Jesus is. The other day I noticed that the Sea of Galilee is in the shape of the continent of Africa. Anybody ever notice that before? Anyway, um, so here's the, here, the feeding of the 5,000 apparently took place somewhere in the midst of, of Gennesaret, or I'm sorry, Bethsaida. So some believe it was kind of south, probably down in this region, somewhere down in here. We don't really know where, but somewhere, somewhere right in this area is where Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And so he feeds the 5,000, and then what does Jesus do after he, after he feeds the 5,000? Uh, he does what? He goes up on the mountain to pray, okay? So he goes up on the mountain, and what time of day is it? What time of day does the text say it is? In the evening, yeah. It's sometime in the evening, okay? So we'll go back to that in just a minute. And what does he have the disciples do when he goes up on the mountain to release the crowd and to spend time alone with his father? Yeah, get in a boat and go towards Bethsaida, Capernaum, and then they end up at Gennesaret. So it's like, where are they going? But they're headed in this direction, right? So if we were to just mark a trail... The disciples are kind of going this way. We'll put their tiny little boat on the Sea of Galilee there. Okay? And so while Jesus is up on the mountain, this is kind of, kind of interesting to think about. While Jesus is up on the mountain, what begins to happen? A storm comes up. Okay? So Jesus is up on the mountain. What does Jesus physically start to feel? Wind, thank you. Yeah, so capture your imagination a little bit, right? Mark 6 says when he's feeding the 5,000, he, he tells them to sit down on the green grass. Why in the world does Mark mention green? I have no idea. But it's a, I think it's a hearkening to uh, Psalm 23 and, and Jesus being the answer to Psalm 23. But here's the, Jesus, just picture this. Imagine this scenario, right? Imagine the scene. Jesus is sitting up on the mountainside. He's spending time with his father. It's evening time, so the, the sun is kind of low on the horizon. Jesus can feel the wind start to pick up on the lake. 
And he looks down and he sees the disciples struggling at the oar. So possibly there's white caps on the Sea of Galilee going on. The wind is starting to pick up quite a bit. So we could say that if they're headed towards Bethsaida, which the lake was bigger back then, so they're headed somewhere in this direction, right? Towards Capernaum, Gennesaret is where they end up. So we could say the wind is blowing right in their face. Everybody, everybody with me on that? So they're rowing against the wind, so there are probably any sailors in there? Any sailors? A few? All right. Y'all know what tacking is, right? So tacking is if I'm trying to go this direction, and I'm trying to go, Eden's in the boat with me, and we're going sailing on Chickamauga, and the wind is blowing right at us. To get to the other end, we're going to have to do this number and put the sail up. We're going to go this way, and then we're going to go this way, and then we're going to go this way, and we're just going to go back and forth and not make any headway. It's going to be really, really take forever to get to the end. And that's kind of probably what's happening, so much so that the disciples are probably sick of uh, trying to sail, and so they've just gotten their oars out, and they're just like, here we go. We can do this. We're fishermen. We're going into the wind. We've done this before. Uh, Peter's probably looking at Matthew going, dude, you're a tax collector. Just let us row. Don't worry about this. Uh, I don't know. Um, so there's, there's all this stuff going, right? The wind is kicked up. So just imagine the scene for a moment of what is going on there and, and just get it in your head. So as we, as we think about this scenario, I want you to imagine that's going on and Jesus is doing what on the mountain? He's praying. And what time did he go up on the mountain? In the evening. The Jewish evening was sometime between, somewhere between 5 and 7 p.m. So Jesus goes up on the, on the, on the mountainside sometime between 5 and 7 p.m. It's evening time. And he begins to pray. We don't know what Jesus was praying about, but let's just have a little fun and think. What, what do you think Jesus might have been praying about? His disciples, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? Okay. Yeah, large crowd of people, probably praying for them. Yeah, any, anybody remember their original impetus for them getting away? Remember? For rest. Yeah, they had just heard the news. Jesus had just heard the news that his cousin had been killed, John the Baptist. And he wanted to get away with his disciples for a time of rest, a refuge. And he shows up on land and all these people are, right, they're chasing him around the shore. Lake Sea of Galilee is smaller than Chickamauga. It's very small. It's only 8 by 25. It's only 8 miles wide. So these people were probably watching his boat and running along the shore and they get there before Jesus. And Jesus still hadn't had time to lament and to grieve the loss of his cousin. 
So he's probably praying and probably lamenting to his father a little bit about that. So here's a, you know, think about the disciples for a moment. Remember um, Jesus' message. He's told them, I can do nothing on my own. And what are the disciples in the midst of? They're in the midst of a storm. So I want you to incarnate with the disciples for a moment. What's it like for them? Maybe you guys that have been sailing, Joe, Eden, Hudson. Maybe y'all can tell us, what would it be like in their heads? Incarnate with them a little bit. What would it be like to be rowing into the wind and not making any progress? Frustrating. Scary. Everybody remember these words. Frustrating, scary. Anything else? Exhausting. Demoralizing. Yeah. Any other words come to mind? I'm gonna add, we're going to add to that list in just a minute. Okay? All right, so I want, I want to do another, uh, another drawing with you. Uh, the students are like, oh my, what is coming? So we do some of these drawings and they get a kick out of them. I don't know why, I don't understand. Um, okay, so here's Jesus up on the hill. I drew some green grass there. Uh, he's up on the mountainside praying. And what time did we say it was? Evening, so we're going to say 6 p.m., okay? And then here's the disciples in the boat. They're straining at the oar. When does Jesus go to them? What's the text say? The fourth watch. You might know what time the fourth watch is. Take a stab. Okay, good. Three, three to six. It's the last watch before sunrise. So the fourth watch of the night. So sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. All right. So I'm not a math major. I didn't do well in math. But somebody tell me how many hours that is. Yeah. 9 to 12 hours. Just let that sink in a minute. Nine to 12 hours. You ever have something that you're just wondering, when's he going to show up in this story? Nine to 12 hours. So I want you to go back, incarnate once again with the disciples. Now that you know how long they've been struggling at the oar. We don't know when exactly the storm blew up in this, but they hadn't made much headway. So 9 to 12 hours in a trip that should have taken 3 to 4, 9 to 12 hours and they're still not getting anywhere. Incarnate with them again. What are the disciples feeling? Add to the list. Exhausted, depressed, good. Yeah, anxious. Why are they anxious? Who said that? I was looking for the... Yes, Matthew. Did you say anxious? Hungry. Sorry, I just called you out. My bad. Yeah, 
What did you say over here? Somebody said depressed. Why did you say depressed? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Good, good. They're ready to give up. Anything else? Irritated? Regret. Okay. Say it again. Curious? Okay, yeah. Where are you, Jesus? Good. Abandon? Angry. Y'all hear all these words that we're saying? These are all words that we would describe in our own lives when it seems like God is silent. When we're going through hard stuff, difficult things, and God doesn't seem to be answering, all these words that we're talking about, we all share in common. So please, if you're ever at home and you're going through something difficult and the evil one whispers in your ear, I can't believe you're struggling with that. I can't believe you would think that of God. Like, that's common among us. When God seems inactive, when God seems quiet, we all have those feelings and experience those. Those things are common for us. But God is doing something in the midst of it. God is doing something in the midst of it. Okay, so here's what I'm at. Again, this is total speculation. This aspect of this is total speculation. But I, don't you wonder, like, what if Jesus went to them in the first hour? What if he went at 7 p.m.? Man, they would be like, great, we don't have to struggle through this. What if, I wonder if Jesus is like, okay, Father, because he gets all his direction from his Father. I wonder if he's, he's up on the mountain going, okay, it's 10 o'clock. Jesus, Father, can I go to him now? And Father says, no, I still don't get it. We're going to wait a little longer. Midnight hits. Father, how about now? No, nope, a little bit longer. Not to mention that Jesus is praying to his father for 9 to 12 hours. Has that sunk in? Wow. Man, he just loves communing with his father. He loves hearing his direction. What's next, Father? I'm ready for the cross. Prepare me for it. Whatever they're talking about. But man, could you imagine what that was like? You wonder if, if our, at 3 a.m., Jesus is like, okay, are we ready yet? Can I go? Can I go to him? No, they still... Still not ready. What have the disciples not yet done? They hadn't prayed. What else? They haven't asked for help. Yeah. What are they doing? They are, they are striving with every ounce of their giftedness. Peter, James, John... Can't remember which other ones are fishermen, but they're, man, they're just going at it. Here, take the oars, guys. Come on, we can do this. Utter exhaustion has set in, but they're still, these guys are in great shape. They're still going at it. Right? I just want, just an application question. What are the oars in your life? Do you just go, I got this. I know my business. I've, I've done this a million times. I don't need to pray about this. I don't need to depend on the Father for this. 
I know how to do this. All that, whatever it is, but your your children, your your marriage, whatever the thing is that we just think, I got this. And we strive in our own own strength all the time to do those things. Okay, so here comes Jesus in the fourth watch of the night. Comes down. Now we got Jesus walking on the water. I mean, this is a this is a powerful moment, isn't it? Um, look at I want to I want to show you this verse here for a minute. Actually, let me let me do this first. There's a there's an interesting verse. Look in your bulletins in verse 48 uh, of Mark 6. Somebody read it for us out loud. Oh, lame. Like, what in the world? Jesus meant to pass by them? What? Like, what, do, what does that mean? Uh, any, any ideas? It's very, it's very strange. Oh, good. Very good. Yeah, I love it. I love just hearing children answer these things. Adults are like, oh, there's this deep theological thing. And the kid's like, they're just waiting. See if they, see if they notice them. Actually, I think, I think you nailed it. I think it's this picture, uh, the economy of God. He's waited and waited and waited, and they have not yet prayed. They have not yet seeked him. They have not yet cried out for help. And I get this sense that Jesus says, can I go to him now? And the father says, yes, but I want you to just pass by on the edge to see if they notice. To see if they see you, Jesus, that you're still in their story. Jesus is always, always, always in your story. And sometimes he's right in the center of it, but sometimes, a lot of times, he's just right on the edge. And he's just wondering and waiting, and he's so kind in doing this. He's letting you strive, letting me strive and struggle to let faith kind of blossom and emerge and bust out of the bud. I mean, think if he had gone and rescued them right at 7, right at 8, right at 9 o'clock. What emerges in the disciples in a minute that we'll look at is, is faith. And that's what he's doing in God's economy and his waiting. Why did he wait? I mean, it's, right, we talked about this before. He, he waited 400 years um, for them to be rescued. You know, there's Abraham waited on the, on, the, on the promise of God for a child, like, there's waiting all the way through. It's just God's economy. But what is he doing? What is he doing in you and allowing you to struggle and wait on the Lord? He loves you and dignifies you so much that he lets the struggle into your life so that faith grows deeper roots and stronger limbs and so it blossoms beautiful flowers. 
So when God seems silent, he's doing something really beautiful in you. This seems weird, but thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you don't come and rescue us immediately. Man, I would be a... I'm already a weak person, but I would be even more weak if he just rescued me every time I needed it on the second. That's why we, we do that with our children, right? We let them struggle a little bit, have to let them learn hard lessons. It's God's economy for faith to grow in us. So here's the, here's a really cool thing. So what is he doing by meaning to pass, meaning to pass by them? I think he's passing by on the edge, just wondering, are you going to notice me? I want to play a song for you. This is my favorite song. Um, it's been on the radio for a while. Zach Williams and Dolly Parton. It just doesn't get any better when Dolly's in a song. I mean, it just, uh, so I want, I want you to hear this song. And uh, yeah, let me, let me play it for you. Maybelline, New York's I'm sorry. Our do it all Go get you it. some Maybelline. Every time I try to stand, start to fall. And all those lonely roads that I traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground. When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now Well, there was Jesus In the way, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces
just a, a beautiful reminder of the way that God works. Jesus is always there. Whenever that song comes on and Dolly isn't on it, it's just Zach Williams. I'm like, doggone, why are they playing that version? Um, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's just this beautiful reminder, right, that Jesus is always on the edge of your story. He's always there. Here's the, here's the, I just want to wrap this up by, with, with this one thing. Just, I want you to notice the very next thing that happens in this story. Jesus is walking on the water, right? I want, to, I want you to see these really cool verses out of Job. Jesus is, is always the, the better Israel, the second Israel. He's always reenacting stuff out of the Old Testament. And he says, uh, truly I know that it is so. This is Job speaking. But how can a man be in right before God? If one wished to contend with him, one could not answer him once in a thousand times. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who has hardened himself against him and succeeded. He who removes mountains and they know it not, when he overturns them in his anger, who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble, who commands the sun and it does not rise, who seals up the stars, who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea, who made the bear and the orion, the Pleiades and the chambers of the south, who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number, Look at this. Behold, he passes by me, and I see him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive him. Here's this, this amazing picture of Yahweh on the sea. It's, it's this picture of, of Yahweh trampling the waves of the sea. This is God in the flesh among them, and they're terrified. And Peter does what? Hey, let me get out of the boat. And Jesus is like, come on. And he lets Peter walk on the water. And then there's two, Peter's walking on the water. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, and what happens to Peter? He starts to sink. And then what does Peter yell? Lord, save me, right? This is not like we read it. Lord, save me. This is a cry for help. Lord, save me. And I love the very, what are the very next two words? Jesus, immediately. There's nothing in this story that has been immediate. But now... It's immediate. What was Jesus waiting on the whole time? Absolutely. For them to cry out, Lord, save me. And right when he says the words, boom, Jesus immediately reaches in and saves Peter. 
I think it's the point of the entire 9 to 12 hour wait. Jesus was just dignifying them, letting them struggle, letting them wonder. We don't really know what's going on with them, but we know that they don't cry out to the Lord until this very moment. And right when they do, Jesus reaches in. And maybe Jesus is on the edge of your story, and maybe you've never said those words. And maybe it's a time for you to say those words right now, and he's waiting on you to just say, Lord, save me. I need salvation. I need you to step into my world. I need to quit trying to do life on my own. I need to quit straining at the oar in this situation. Lord, save me. It's the heart cry of the believer always. It's not just a one-time cry of salvation. But it's, Lord, save me. And then I love the, I love the last thing I want to point out. These two boat scenes, Jesus had been in one boat scene with them probably within two weeks to two months of this boat scene, he had just been in a boat scene with them where he calmed the storm. Y'all remember what they said when Jesus is asleep in the boat and they wake him up and he says, be still and the wind and the waves obey him. What do they say? Who is this? Who is this? So that like the seeds, the tiny little mustard seed of faith was starting to emerge in the disciples in this boat. And now, a few weeks later, they've seen extraordinary things. And Jesus walks on the water, immediately gets in the boat, and everything ceases. He doesn't even say anything this time. And what's their response? Truly, you are the Son of God. So the patience of Jesus, what's emerged in the disciples? Faith. To trust in the one who, who is this? You are the Son of God. I give my whole life to you. So I pray that God would, we would be ones who would cry out, Lord, save me. And we do it daily. And in the midst of the waiting, you would know that God is producing in you a fruitful harvest of faith that just says, trust me in everything. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thanks for, um, thanks for the waiting. I can just picture you up on that hillside with the wind blowing in your face. And you're just watching the disciples, spending time with your father, and longing to go to them, and longing for them to just cry out for help. You see, Jesus, thank you that you're always on the edge of our stories. And sometimes, Lord, we can feel it. You're right in the middle of it. But I would say most days as we go through life, um, we feel like you're just on the edge or outside our stories, but you're just always there. You're, it's true. There was Jesus. And we 
trace everything in our lives. You're always present. So thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for the ways you show us these snapshots of the economy of your Father and the way that you, as the trying God, dignify us enough to let us struggle so that faith would emerge. I pray for my brothers and sisters at Mountain Fellowship that we would be people of faith who just trust you and cry out to be saved every day. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.